Welcome to Life Church Birmingham. We are glad you have listened today. We know God has a plan and purpose for your life and want to help you be successful in Jesus Christ. We know you will receive a message of hope and encouragement. We're continuing our series called Deeper, and we are, um, are in the same time frame, the biblical time frame that we started the year in. That is um, during the Babylonian exile. And so Daniel chapter 3, we'll read from there in just a moment. I recently heard of a minister that was asked to perform a funeral for a dog. Family can't say, Pastor, would you come and do a, a funeral for Max? He's our dog. He meant a lot to us. We just want to show our final respects and give him a proper burial. The pastor looked and said, I don't do dog funerals. I'm a man of God. I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't preach dog funerals. I suggest maybe you call a Lutheran or an Episcopalian or a Methodist. They'll probably do it. The family spoke up and said, Pastor, we love our dog so much. He was part of our family. As a matter of fact, we had a will drawn up for him to divide all his assets. And in addition to that, we took out a $100,000 life insurance policy so he could be honored properly when he went to the great doghouse in the sky. The pastor said, a will and a life insurance policy for a dog? They said yes. And within that life insurance policy for our dog Max is a designation of $2,500 for the minister who preaches his memorial service. The minister looked up, put his shoulders back and said, why didn't you tell me he was an assuming of God dog from the beginning? I'll be here all week. Because we're an assuming of God. Okay. Five characters that you want to know for this story in Daniel. Five characters you want to know. Number one is the, the man Daniel. His three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those four guys, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were taken from Israel, from Jerusalem. They were, the Bible says, some of the sharpest men in Jerusalem. They were taken into Babylonian captivity and trained in the king's courts. They worked uh, among the Babylonian um, You'll hear the term wise men mentioned sometimes. Uh, also, uh, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar would call them magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, or astrologers. Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego, many scholars think that this was the roots of the, of the men who came to visit uh, Christ at a very young age, the wise men. This big, had their, their roots, their beginning there. They would study and look for the signs. They would study uh, the law. They would, they would look for the signs. So these would also be called wise men. And the fifth one is King, here's a big long name, Nebuchadnezzar. Who does that to a little boy? King Nebuchadnezzar. He was the king of Babylon, completely absorbed with himself, with power, he was an evil, wicked, wicked king. So Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And he has a dream and he's disturbed by it. So he calls 
the wise man and says this. He demanded this of them. He said, I want you to interpret my dream. Not only do I want you to interpret my dream, I want you to tell me what my dream was. And if you don't, you are done. They said, King, what you ask is an impossible task. No one can tell you a dream uh, that we don't know about. We can interpret your dream, but we don't know what your dream was. He said, if you don't tell me my dream and the interpretation of my dream, I'm coming for you. So the edict goes out for all the wise men in Babylon to get it. They get to Daniel, and Daniel says, hey, wait a minute. Why are you in such a big hurry? Let me make an appointment with the king so I can tell him what his dream was and I'll interpret it for him. Now, if you know the story, Daniel had no idea what the dream was. He had faith, had no idea what the interpretation was, but he bought himself some time and he had faith, believing that God would show up. So he has a prayer meeting. How many know that when you're getting it tomorrow, you're going to have a prayer meeting? <laughs> So he calls his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We need to have a prayer meeting because we need God to show up. So they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. Daniel goes to bed. God gives Daniel a dream, shows him the dream that Nebuchadnezzar has and the interpretation. And he brings it to the king. And the king is happy. And the Bible says that the king fell on his face and paid honor and ordered him uh, to, to make an offering of incense for Daniel. In other words, they're going to celebrate Daniel. The king says to Daniel these words, Surely your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, the revealer of mysteries. For you are able to, to reveal this mystery. So he gave him a bunch of gifts. He put him in charge of a bunch of stuff. And Daniel says, hey, I got some buddies that I want to recommend for some offices. So they put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as administrators over the providence of Babylon. So now, averted tragedy, averted chaos, God showed up, and they're all promoted. Chapter 3 begins. Three things I want you to take away from the story. Number one is this. I will be tested. I will be tested. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. Here's what it says on the screen. You can read it with me. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. 60 cubits high, 6 cubits wide, and set up in the plain of Dura in the providence of Babylon. Then he summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other providential officials to come to the dedication of the image that he set up. So, the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other prov uh, provincial uh, officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, 
This is what you're commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately, if I say immediately, will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. There it is. My big golden statue. Isn't it beautiful? Look at how beautiful my big golden statue is. Everybody loves my big golden statue. Isn't it beautiful? Kind of looks like me, doesn't it? (laughs) Golden, beautiful. Look at its glory and majesty. Everyone is a worshiper of something. Everyone is a worshiper of something or someone. Most of the time, idols are not 90 foot tall and golden. Most of the time, they are not. It's interesting that the king shifted from acknowledging Daniel's God to making an idol. And Daniel does it instantaneously from chapter 2 to chapter 3. He has a big reveal party, doesn't he? (laughs) For the new gold idol, 90 feet tall, 90 feet. King Nebuchadnezzar tries to use religion to consolidate all of the provinces he had added to his empire. It said every nation, all peoples. Because he kept conquering and taking over and putting him in slavery. He was instituting, in his mind, a one world religion. He demanded worship of the image as a means of promoting Loyalty to himself. He wasn't the first, nor will he be the last, to use religion for political gain or self-exaltation. Not all idols are physical. Some idols are philosophical. We are living in a world where Ideas are being idolized. Ideas are being idolized. And the the music sounds, and the command is given, bow down to my viewpoint. And if you don't, you're corrupt and a reprobate and an enemy of the rest of us. Verse 4 continues. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, 
nations and peoples of every language, this is what you're commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound, everybody say the sound. As soon as you hear the sound of all these instruments, you must fall down and worship the image. Whoever doesn't will be thrown into the furnace. So here comes the command. The band's going to strike up. You must fall down and worship the image of gold and the threat. If you don't, you're going to be thrown into a blazing furnace. Probably a big, uh, um, huge uh, pottery kiln that you could walk into. Probably like that. And verse 7 says this. Therefore, as soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, all kinds of music, all nations and peoples of every language fall down and worship the image that the king has set up. Bow down when the music starts. That'll be the cue. And everybody in unison, fall in line. Everyone did that. Everyone. Except three. Except three. They stood when everybody else was falling. When everybody else was on their face bowing, they were standing. Think, think of the scene. There's thousands of people. Thousands of people. It's not a democracy. You don't get a vote on things. Man, this is a dictatorship. A cruel, cruel dictatorship. And they're worshiping a statue. When you remove the death threat from the scenario, it actually seems kind of comical, doesn't it? <laughs> Built this big old thing. I don't know how long it took them. How long does it take to build a 90-foot gold statue? I don't know. It took them a while. And when the band strikes up, you're going to bow down. It's comical when you think about what's actually taking place. When you pull the veneer, the facade, the, the curtain back, you, you see the little wizard of Oz behind the curtain on a stool. He's a little man with a microphone acting like he's a big shot. <laughs> Reminded of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul helps us here. Here's what he says. He says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond. Come on. Beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So I, three phrases jump out from that scripture. Keep it up there if you would, please. Common to man. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Common to man. In other words, the enemy only has so many tricks in the bag. 
Number one, number two, what you're experiencing, others are also experiencing. But the enemy wants to isolate you and tell you you're the only one. So if you're the only one, that means you're a freak. That means you can't tell anybody. That means you got to hide. That means what will everybody think if they knew what I was going through? Paul says that is not the case. What you're going through is common. In other words, there's more people that are experiencing that than you realize. (laughs) God does not want you to be isolated in your struggle. He wants you to have community in your struggle so that your brothers and sisters can surround you and build you up. So I think of that phrase, common to man. The second one is, God is faithful. So while you are going through a struggle that, the, that you think or we think or the enemy would convince us is no one except me on the planet has this issue. No one but me. Therefore, I can't tell anybody, so i got to remain quiet and isolated and just struggle until I struggle my way into depression and failure. The cycle continues. Paul says, but God is faithful. He's faithful. In the midst of your struggle, he's there. He's faithful. He's faithful, and he's not going to let you go through something that you're not able to endure. It won't be beyond your ability because he's faithful. The third thing from that scripture that I want to point out is he will provide a way of escape. Now, that phrase seems sort of dramatic, a way of escape. I mean, what are we talking about here? Escaping what? What what is it that I need to escape from? The enemy comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. The enemy or soul has a threefold mission, to kill, to steal, and destroy. God says, "That's, that's serious, What I created, he wants to destroy. What I created in you, the enemy wants to destroy. But I'm going to provide a way of escape. So apparently, temptation is a serious issue. Not only does God provide a way of escape, that tells me I need to escape. I need to flee. I need to get out of here. I need to go another direction. I need, to, I need to start hanging out with somebody else. I need to turn that channel. I need to quit, start hanging out with the right people. I need to start reading this and not that. I need to stop watching this and start watching this. I need to stop listening to that and start listening to this. I, I, I might actually need God to help me to think right about something. <laughs> I might need my mind to be renewed. He will provide a way of escape. The enemy wants to rob you of your worship to him. He wants to rob you of your commitment. He wants to ultimately rob you of your destiny, your relationship with the Lord. One reason you need to be in a small group is you will be tested. You're going to be tested, man. 
You'll be tested. When you are tested, remind yourself of Corinthians 10, 13. Remind yourself. The band's going to strike up. But no temptation has overtaken you that's not common. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He'll also provide the way of escape that you may be able to, here we go, endure it. (laughs) Everybody's going to be tested. That's something that everybody faces. God is faithful. He's not going to let you go through it beyond your ability. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have already made up their mind. They had been in the prayer meeting with Daniel when Nebuchadnezzar um, said, if you can't tell me what I was dreaming and then give me the interpretation of my dream to my liking, I'm just going to just get rid of all of y'all. All of y'all. Now, that's a lot of people, all of y'all. That's you plural for you guys up north. All of y'all are going to get it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who's standing in the crowd, they were aware of the death sentence the first time. Come on, we're going somewhere. By the time the band struck up, their demonic tune was old news. <laughs> We've heard this kind of talk before. They felt the weight the first time, and they saw God come through for them. Why would they come this far only to bow down to a silly 90-foot golden statue? What you went through last time has prepared you for what you're going through this time. The enemy thought he was going to discourage you, but we are realizing that the trial and the temptation and the struggle I went through last time has prepared me for what I'm going through this time. And these guys are standing there And they're going to the meeting. They're showing up. Everyone's invited. They've already determined what they're going to do. They didn't decide when they got there. They didn't decide when they heard the band. They must have been thinking, look. We saw this once before, and what got us through, what got, what got us through the last time, boys? Let's have a meeting. Let's, what, oh, oh, there it is, faithfulness. Faithfulness got us through last time. Compromise didn't help us. Selling out didn't help us. Cowering down didn't help us. Running and hiding didn't help us. What helped us was when we planted our feet on the ground and we stood. That's what helped us. Ephesians tells us 
finally be strong. Be strong in the Lord and put and in his mighty power. So who 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 are they trusting in? These guys didn't have Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, come on, somebody needs to know this. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am not your biggest problem. (laughs) I am not your biggest problem. (laughs) Why are y'all laughing so much? (laughs) Our struggle is not flesh and blood. But against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, because your battle is a spiritual battle, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, it's coming, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. Say, I'm going to stand firm. I I say, I'm not giving in. I'm not giving up. I'm going to stand because I'm going to be tested. I'm going to decide now when the band strikes up and when the world calls me to bow a knee to wicked ideas, wicked philosophies, wicked. I'm going to stand firm because I have what I need. And what I went through last time has prepared me for what I'm going through this time. I will be tested. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to be tested. Tell them, you're going to be tested. All right. Second is this. I I need unconditional faith. We hear a lot about unconditional love, don't we? I need some unconditional faith. I need unconditional faith. So the the band does their deal. Everybody bows down. Daniel chapter 3 verse 8 picks up and says this. At this time, the astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, King, uh, may the king live forever. (laughs) You guys. Oh, are you kidding me? (laughs) Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound, I don't know why they have to mention this every single time. (laughs) The horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe. In Babylon, Shadrach, but there are some Jews who have not bowed down to worship. You've set some Jews over the affairs of the providence of Babylon. These guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, paid no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you set up. Their witness was obvious. When the lives of these three guys were surveyed, this was what was said about them. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. That was their testimony. 
Oh, oh yeah, they, these guys worship, but not like that. They worship, but they don't worship your gods or this image, this very nice image of gold you have set up, King. In other words, they're different. In other words, they, they, they won't compromise. In other words, they're faithful to their God. In other words, they're not like everybody else. In other, there's, and they have this holy defiance. They're, they're different. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not always their names. Shadrach, oh, you called me Shadrach, but my mama called me Hananiah. Shadrach is my Babylonian name. See, when I got here, they changed my name. Shadrach means command of Aku or aspire of Aku. Aku was a Babylonian god of the moon. Hananiah means God has been gracious. Meshach says, listen, I haven't always been called Meshach. You call me Meshach, but my mama calls me Mishel. Meshach means who is what Aku is, or the Babylonian god of the moon. Mishael means who is like God. Benigo says, look, not everybody always called me Benigo. You call me Benigo, but my mama called me Azariah. That was my given name. That was my Jewish name. Benigo means servant of Nebu. Nebu is the Babylonian god of wisdom. Azariah means God has helped me. <laughs> Why the name change? Why the name change? What made the boys' Hebrews' names unacceptable to the Babylonians? Their Babylonian name was centered on idol pagan worship. Their given name that they were born with centers around the one true God. Daniel. Daniel was a Jewish name. It means God's my judge. Hananiah, God has been gracious. Mishael, who is like God. And Azariah, God has helped me. Assigning new names was common court practice of the ancient world. It was a blatant intention, listen, a blatant intention to change the entire identity of the bearer until the title matched their life. They would be called something different with the idea that if we call them something different long enough, pretty soon they're going to start living like what they hear us call them. We're going to avoid talking about their God-given destiny, and what we're going to focus on is we're going to focus on what we want them to do.
This is not something that they invented. As a matter of fact, God has done the same thing. Um, he's the one that originated a name change. God changed Abram's name to Abraham, meaning father of many. Jesus gave uh, the apostle Simon the name Peter, which means rock. That's where you get the scripture, you know, 16, Matthew 16, 18 says, Upon this, I'll say to you that you are Peter, upon this rock. I know that we, we've been calling you Simon, but we're going to call you Peter because you're a rock. You're uh, Petrus. You are Petra. You, I'll, I'll, my church, I'll, I'll, I will build my church and the forces of hell won't overpower it because you're a rock, Peter. When you choose to follow Jesus, you, 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 you are given the name. Um, um, you ever thought about the, the, the phrase or the name Christian? Thought about that? It, it, um, it actually wasn't the name that they first had in Acts or in the Gospels. It was a name given to them after Christ ascended. And they said, you guys are like little Jesus Christ. You're acting like Jesus so much, we're going to call you Christians. Or, 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 you so when we become believers, we, we're given the name or took on the name Christian, the one who follows Jesus Christ. The intent of the name change for the Hebrew captives was to change their identity and their to the title matched their name. So how, how intent are we as Christians to change our identity until our life matches the meaning of your name Christ follower? I need an unconditional faith. I, I, the conditions don't matter. I'm going to be faithful. And Ephesians 5 says, therefore, be imitators of God. Uh, uh, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in what? Love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Uh, be imitators of God. Um. Act like Jesus. <laughs> Act like a Christian. <laughs> Act like you're following Christ. Where's he going? I'm following him. Look at that guy. Where's he going? Wherever Jesus is going, he's going. Have you, make up your mind that you're going to follow Christ. No matter what happens, when the band strikes up, you're going to follow Christ. I needed unconditional faith. Unconditional faith. Acts 4.12 says, uh, salvation is found in no one else. And there's no... There's no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That's super important. That's very important. I want us to see the reaction that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got when they were obedient to the Lord. So everybody's standing, or excuse me, everyone's bowing. Three guys left standing. I mean, it's, they're sticking out. 
They didn't misunderstand the deal. They're sticking out. So Nebuchadnezzar obviously has like anger management issues. <laughs> kind of into himself. Daniel chapter 3, furious with rage. Surprise, surprise. Nebuchadnezzar summoned. He calls them. These guys worked for him. They were in charge of stuff. We can't have dissension in the ranks. They called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very, very good. I, I like you guys a lot. I just, but if you don't worship, you're, you're just, I just have to burn you alive. We're just going to, we're going to hear the screams. Your flesh is going to burn off of your skeleton and your organs will ignite and it's, a, it's bad. God, it's bad. Then, then what God will be able to save you from my hand? Their standing obedience to the Lord led to threat. Do this or else. Do what everybody else is doing. If you comply, man, that's awesome. If you don't, we're just going to burn you alive. I mean, it, and I'm going to watch, and you're going to be screaming and running around, I'm firing. None of us want that, guys. Then question, then Nebuchadnezzar questions the power of God. Then when I lower my hand, what, what God is going to be able to stop me? I mean, look at that statue. I'm a big deal, man. Nobody's stopping me. Look at everybody bowing down. Nebuchadnezzar puts himself above God. All idol worship questions the legitimacy and authority of Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Guys, I look, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, look. I liked you guys from the beginning. To be honest with you, I, I like you. And outside of this deal, we could probably hang out, be buddies, you know. I think your God's probably cool too. You know, I mean, everybody's got to have their thing. I mean, Daniel, I, remember, I he interpreted a dream that time, and that's really helped me out, you know. I like Daniel, and believe it or not, I, I like you guys too. I, I don't really have a problem with your God necessarily. I really, I don't, but you see what I've done here, and I, I just need you guys to get in line. Just, come, come on, it's not, just, come on. You don't have to like it. You don't have to like it. I mean, it's for the good of everyone. Just bow down like everybody else so we can just move on and make some progress around here. So Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they're thrown a lifeline. They're given an, a second chance. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, began applied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, 
We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. We're thrown in the blazing furnace. The God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he'll deliver us from your, uh, from, from your majesty's hand. But if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, we're not going to serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. <laughs> we, we don't need to defend ourselves. Look, man, in other words, when it comes to allegiances of God, our worship him, we don't need to defend ourselves. God is my defender. My first priority is to the king of kings. And if you throw us into that blazing furnace, God will deliver us. And he will deliver us from your hand. But if he doesn't, we're still not bowing. It's just, it's just not going to happen. What, what gave these guys such confidence? What gave them an intimate relationship with a living God. The boldness didn't come from their personalities or from self-help book or something. It came because they were connected to the source. They had decided long before they got to the king's courts what they would do. They did, and so should you. He was furious. His attitude towards them changed. And he ordered the furnace to be turned up seven times hotter. Not sure how you calculate that back then, but that means make it really hot. I need unconditional faith because I will be tested. And the last thing is this will land. Band, come on. I have the promise of his presence. You have the promise of God. You have the promise. Not gifts. The presence of God. You have the promise. Daniel chapter 3, he goes on, verse 25, and he says, look, they throw him in, right? It's hot. As a matter of fact, the story says it's so hot, the guys who threw him in were overwhelmed, and they died. So they threw him in. All bound up and tied up. So they couldn't squirm out. Nebuchadnezzar's watching. He said, I told you guys, I, you'd make me do this. But all right, here we go. Get the popcorn. We're going to burn alive. He says, look at that. I see four men walking inside that furnace. How, how, how many did you throw in there? How many did you... I thought you, I told you to throw three. I see four men and they are unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the Son of God. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the Satraps, Prefects, Governors, and Royal Advisors crowded around them. <laughs> they saw that the fire had not harmed them, their bodies. There's what, even hair singed on their arm, like when you light the grill. Wrong way. <laughs> the robes weren't scorched, and the, there was no smell of fire. Your translation might say smoke, because what does fire smell like? Smell like smoke. Like we can't even tell they've been in there. This don't even make sense. I have the promise of his presence. When you face trials, you have the promise of presence. 
promise of presence. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will, you are not on, you're not on your own. So Nebuchadnezzar throws a party. He says, I can't, I can't believe this. Puts these guys in charge of more stuff. And then in his numeral weird fashion, says, unless everybody worships the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Benigal, I'm going to cut them into pieces and haul them out of town. Let the birds eat their parts. <laughs> You're just crazy, man. But he, but he knew... God had delivered them. You know what I think? I think sometimes the crowd is just looking for somebody that'll say no. I'm not not doing that. I'm I'm not bowing to that. That's idiotic. That's bizarre. That's that's insane. That's crazy stuff. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I remember I was in the 11th grade and I was a pretty good kid and I was um, informing my father that I was a pretty good kid. Because I wanted to go to a party or something after the game. And what? And we did a little back and forth conversation. And I kept, and I got really upset. And I, and I stated my case. Every, got a little emotional. Well, one of us got emotional. And I'm like, you don't even know how good I am, Dad. You don't know how good I am. I got, I'm getting drunk on the weekends. I smoke weed. Man, I come, I come in most of the time on time. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I don't drive drunk. I, I, you don't know how good I am. I don't even know. I'm just, uh, I'll do drugs or nothing. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm stupid. My dad's just looking at me. And he says, uh, he does like this. He says, uh, did, your, did your mom smoke crack? Did, do I smoke crack? Did, did, it, did we smoke crack? Is smoking crack like the standard in our house? Is, I mean, is that, did, you, did you see her smoking crack? Did you, have I, we don't, when has the standard been so low? That I don't drive drunk, smoke weed, or get drunk. When, when is, is that the standard that we have? And I just had zero comeback for that. Like, I'm just like, I still didn't get to go to the party. You got
got to decide what your standard's going to be. You got to decide before the band strikes up. You got to decide before the invite comes. You got to decide before he asks you out. You got to decide before you turn that computer on. You got you to gotta decide. You got to decide ahead of time. You got to decide. Listen, what you've been through has prepared you for what you're going through. So pull on the faithfulness of God in the past and say, God, if you help me out of that, if you help me through that, if you gave me a way to escape with that, surely you will help me now. You know, sometimes worship is just reminding ourselves of what the Lord has done. Come on, man. It just wants you to stand up on your feet all over the place. Joshua 1.9 says this. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you. What's it say? Wherever you go. Have I commanded you? God tells Joshua three times in the first chapter. And then the, then, then the people tell Joshua one time. He heard it four times. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. He said, be strong and courageous. Say that with me. Be strong and courageous. Again, be strong and courageous. One more time. Be strong and courageous. My prayer is for this right now. That God would expose the lies of the enemy... And the pressure that you feel to bow down would turn into a revelation that the enemy is a liar. He's a killer and a destroyer. And he has zero authority in your life. The only authority that he has in your life is the authority, get this, that you give him. He has no authority. None. Zero. That's why the Bible says, flee from the very appearance of evil. Flee. Just run. Run, 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 run. So how is this practical to us? You are not alone in your struggle. What you're going through you think you're the only one that has that thought. That is not true. You think you're the only one that has that kind of struggle. That is, that is not true. It's common. In other words, there's a bunch of other people going through what you're going through. You know what I think? That God created us for community. And so when we find somebody else who we can at least trust enough to say, you know... I could really use a partner that would kind of stand with me. And I ain't never told nobody this, but, you know, sometimes I just, I have to struggle. And they're like, what? I thought I was the only one that had that. So you, you too? Man, we're going to stand together. We're going to stand together and help each other out. Would you take a few moments to just bow your head and close your eyes for a minute? I want you to think about this. 
What is God saying to us? What is God saying to me? In a minute, we're going to have opportunity for prayer. We're going to land this. Right now, we want to ask ourselves, what is God saying to us? What is God saying to you? What is he saying to you? You're going to be tested. You're going to be tested. When you're tested, what will get you through is unconditional faith. The promise of his presence. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. If you're here today, and first of all, you say, Tim, if I were to die today, I don't know if I were to go to heaven or not. If God were to ask me, why should I let you into heaven, I, I, I don't know really what I'd say. Well, I've been a good person, or I'm, I'm, I'm kind, or I, I'm honest. The Bible says that everyone has sinned and fallen short. So in other words, we all have a similar problem. We are all sinners. So that's, that's really the biggest problem that we have. But God, who is rich in mercy, sent his son Jesus to die so that he could pay the price because the wages of sin is death. So my sin deserves death, so I've got to decide. Am I going to die for my sins or am I going to let what Jesus did pay the penalty for my sins? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. By grace, he sent his son Jesus, and when I follow him, when I accept that, when I believe that, when I apply that to my life, when I say, yes, Lord, that sacrifice is for me now. And now what happens is I'm born again. I get a second chance. I, I'm forgiven. That's how that works. If you came in the door today and you say, Tim, pray for me because when I came in, I, I, I didn't come in living for the Lord. I didn't come in. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I'm born again. I don't think I'm saved. I want to be, but I, I, I'm not. Pray for me. Because that's what I want. That's what I want. I want to follow Christ. That's what I want. I want to be a Christ follower. If that's you, you say, Tim, pray for me. On the count of three, I just want you to wave at me. Include me in that prayer. I want to, I want to, that's what I need. I need to, today's my day. Today's my day. That's what I need. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you. This is for you. You came all this way. This is for you, man. This is for you. You're not here by accident. This is for you. That's what I want today. Count of three, say, Tim, that's me. Just lift your hand and wave at me and just make eye contact with me. That's what I want. One, two, three. Today. Today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. Come on. Yep, yep, yep. I knew God was doing something, you guys. Yeah. Anyone else? You say, today I want to follow Christ. You can't join a church. You can't. Um, it's not the day for that. It's following Jesus. In a minute, we're going to pray for you. The second thing is you say, hey, Tim, man, 
I'm going through some testing and trial and temptation right now. And, man, I feel the heat. Brother, I feel it, man. I just, I, I just, would, I just, I just need some strength for this thing, man. I need some strength for this thing. How, how many, how many, I just feel like there's a bunch of men right now. They just say, I just need some strength. some women right now that are just being honest before God. And you've just been going through some stuff, and you just, you're saying, God, I just, I need some help here. That's you've been going through trials, temptations, uh, difficulties. And you say, Tim, pray for me because I need some God intervention. That's you on the counter. You just wave at me. One, two, three, all over the room. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. You raise your hand the first time or you should have. I want to pray with you right now. I'm going to pray with you right now. And if you mean these words, it's as if you made them up yourself, okay? And there's going to be people around you that are praying with you. And here we go. If you mean these words, I'm just going to help you. Would you pray this with me? Say, dear God, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. Thank you for dying for my sins. I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and that you rose on the third day. Thank you for forgiving me. Lord, I surrender my life to you. The rest of my life is yours. I'm not my own, I'm yours. We want to thank you for listening to the message today. We would love for you to stop by and see us. Our services start at 10 a.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights with various small groups throughout the week. Here at Life Church, we hope you have a great week.